0: Here we are again on Tuesday Night Live after a massive win against Sydney. Uh, we've got Pete, Nikki, and me tonight and lots of good stuff. So I'll throw it over to you, Pete. Away we go.
1: Thank you very much, Phoenix. And welcome everybody once again to Tuesday Night Live of the Bigfooty Adelaide Crowcast. Great to have you all with us again tonight. We've got a huge show lined up tonight and we're very, very excited course, to have uh, Jared Lyons, the number 31 for the Adelaide Crows, uh, terrific to have him along tonight, so stay tuned for that. He'll be along a little bit later, but in the meantime, we will uh, introduce our panellists tonight. We've got Nikki. How are you, Nikki? I'm very well. Great to have you on board as usual, and of course, the uh, technical whiz and the um, the anchor of the show, Phoenix. How are you tonight,
0: mate? Good, mate. Ready for a lie down just about, but uh, we're all good.
1: Mate, you've already earned twice your money tonight. Already you've done (laughs) that. As usual, doing a brilliant job. We uh, we, we appreciate it. And, of of course, uh, without you, it doesn't go ahead. So uh, thanks as always. Uh, All right, um, let's uh, have a talk about uh, what's happening in the AFL at the moment. Nikki, over to you.
2: Well, the big news was the Stephen May hit. Um, He ended up getting the five matches because he had the one-week carryover. That means they actually only gave him the four, which is very interesting in light of Cameron's hit in the NAB Cup where he also got the four matches. So they seem to equate them with both, and I think most people kind of looked at it and thought that Mays was probably on the more punishable side. What do you guys reckon?
0: Personally, I think he got off lightly.
1: I think that's very light. I, I don't understand... Why they this, this this obsession with looking at what the injury is or what the damage is? I mean, I, I thought that Jerry um, Whiteley made a really good point last night when he said, you know, we're talking about concussion. Concussion can be a significantly worse injury than a break or or a, you know any other injury could possibly be. So it really does irritate me a little bit. And I think that it, it, I haven't actually read it yet, Nikki. So if that's what he got, I reckon it's pretty poor.
2: Yeah, it was very interesting. The AFL wanted five as a minimum and his argument, um, his lawyer's argument was four. Um, basically on he showed remorse, which he did, and his press conference afterwards when he came out, he's taken complete and utter ownership that he stuffed up. He's completely at fault um, and, yep, he basically has gotten what he deserved in a way. So it was good that he did that and by the from what I understand, as soon as he actually saw the replay on the big screen, he realised exactly how bad it was and he apologised immediately to um, Lions players on the ground. So I wonder whether that kind of was on the weight of the tribunal's mind that gave him a little bit more leniency because he's fessed up straight away and realised he's done something wrong. But he's definitely got form.
0: Well, fair to say too that Gee Ablett contributed to the whole mess as well and... Um... I reckon that might have contributed to the uh, probably the the light side of the penalty because uh, he's given him a fair old shove into into May's path.
1: How the hell has he gotten away with that? And if there's anybody else, I reckon there would have been a huge storm. And I reckon it was just disgraceful conduct. And mm. there's no doubt that he pushed him into it. And I just thought it was really, really poor play. But, of course, because it's Gaza and he's a golden child, he gets away with it. And that really, really annoyed me, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's kind you, of funny
2: when... When you got Robbo complaining about Eddie's little push in the the back, well, the shoulder blade, um, and oh, you know how much that they that affected the the game and everything else, and he kind of did a little bit on AFL three hundred and sixty. He kind of talked a bit about Gaza pushing him into the path, but he didn't go as angry as what he did about um, Eddie, which was kind of amusing in the wrong way to me.
1: Oh well. Um- as far as May's concerned, he's been um, he's been suspended, and he has really really let his team down because he's got the uh, the comp- probably the competition's tallest um, and most well the most potent forward line coming to town, and um, the the Gold Coast defence has been absolutely depleted um, now that he's gone as well. Um, I think Rory Thompson injured as well. So with North Melbourne coming to town and those three talls, they will be in a world of hurt on tipping by uh, late Saturday night. Yeah, I agree and with you. incidentally.
2: North really have struggled to actually beat the Gold Coast up there. So North might actually finally get their first win. Um, and I mean in a way it's good for us because he does miss our game. Did you guys hear what Lepich was considering? Or he thought there should be an iPhone and eye punishment that whatever you get as your penalty, the extra the the final game you can play. Until you face that opposition team, and then you've got to sit one out because you punished that team. I can't see how it works, and Leper is different, very much a strange cat.
1: That sounds incredibly complex to me, and I had absolutely no understanding of what that's about. So I can't imagine any you know football club being able under- to understand that.
0: I actually don't Ooh. mind the premise. I don't mind. What he's trying to achieve, which is basically, well, we lost a player for a, a good portion of the game, so the next time you play us, you've got to lose the player that caused that the last time. But in practice, I, I just don't think it's workable. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't see how you like, you know, what if you don't play him again for the season? Does it carry it over to the next year, etc., etc., etc.?
2: What happens I, if they get traded?
0: Exactly. So do so you, you punish know, the new team? Good, good in theory, and there's probably a bit of emotion behind it as well uh, because it, it certainly did uh, potentially put Brisbane at a disadvantage losing their Ruckman. Um, but, yeah, just uh, unfortunately not workable, I don't think.
2: And the other big game-changer today is finally we're no longer going to have a replayed grand final. They'll play, they'll play an extra um, time on period. Split into two halves, and if at the end of that time on period, the game, the grand final is still tied up, then it goes to a golden point. So whoever scores first wins.
0: Don't like the golden (laughs) point,
2: but how it's going to be so rare to get to that, I think, because you've got those those two little extra um, quarters in a way, or those two little halves. You'd. You'd think that how rare is it going to be that if the game's tied up at the end of the proper time, then with the extra time, it's still tied up. You've got to try and find a way to deadlock it.
1: I like it. I think it's a really good idea, and I think it's uh, much better than what we've got with a, with the replay at the moment. It's just archaic, and, and um, let's just uh, let's get the thing decided on the day. I think it's a much better idea, to be honest.
0: I just don't want a golden point. We, the the aim of the game <laughs> the name of the game is to kick goals anyone can run a point through but yeah. in order to kick a goal you have to kick it through two big sticks and I think to win such an important game you need to have a golden goal and I hope they sit down and go Oops that was silly uh, let's change it
2: and Vani Magic has made a good point that this no replay decision has cost them a lot of money because they they did. I mean, they sold out again, the, the Saints-Collingwood one. And to be fair, that actually meant a lot of the supporters finally actually did get to watch their team play um, in a grand final when normally they can't because most of the allocation goes to people who bought packages earlier on the year and all the corporates, not the actual supporters of the club.
0: I wonder if scheduling played a part in it too, um... Having a look at looked at the uh, cricket season coming up, but you'd imagine it'd be a fair squeeze trying to squeeze another one in.
2: Yeah, because there's a lot more cricket being played now, um, particularly with the the T20s coming in as well, and um, that leg taking off. no I mean, to be fair, it's it is good that they're finally actually realised that they have interstate teams and travelling to one place to play is a bit detrimental if you're having to make them back up again. But, you know, maybe 20 years too late.
0: Yeah, I like everything about it except the point. And I, if I haven't made that clear, I'd like to make that clear. I don't like the point.
1: <laughs> Any, anything else piquing your interest tonight uh, that uh, happened across the week?
2: Oh, just it's the just point. The, the Johannes... The point of the point is Johannes' injury. I think they were saying he's going to be out about 10 weeks, which that's a fairly horrific hamstring that he did do. Um, and the Bulldogs are going to be very interesting to watch from here because losing him and Murphy, they really do get a lot of that drive off the half-back. So will the Bulldogs be able to do what we've done and rejig their game plan a little bit, um, as we saw the with the Sydney one, um, how we didn't concentrate on our run-off half-back so much, it was more the midfield. But are they going to have to change it purely because of personnel, not their opponent? I think they're going to be quite interesting to watch this weekend.
1: We'll take a couple of weeks to find out. I reckon, Nikki. they've got Brisbane at Etihad this week and I think that uh, they'll take care of them. I think the emotion of the, uh, the Stephen Martin thing obviously won't carry over for a second week and they'll, they'll, they'll dispatch Brisbane fairly easily and it will be uh, the second week against North Melbourne. That will be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah,
2: yeah that one's going to be very interesting. There's a, I mean, there's this, this weekend is quite a good bunch of games there's not too many duds and initially we thought the Collingwood Essendon Anzac Day game was just going to be an absolute bore fest and who's going to tune in for this to be fair I actually haven't tuned into it for a number of years because I don't really care about those two teams but it looks like it might actually be a close game
1: well I'm happy to report that I've actually got uh, tickets to that game and I'll be in attendance uh, as I will for the uh, Hawthorne Adelaide game but uh, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, something I always wanted to do, and um, I, uh, I decided the family would, would go over for that. And uh, we thought it was going to be probably end up being a bit of a dud, but uh, as it's turned out, it might be uh, might be an interesting afternoon.
2: Yeah, I think it will be a very interesting afternoon. Now you have to cheer loudly for all of us on Friday night,
1: and I hope okay. you're as
2: good luck for the team, like you were against the Western Bulldogs final.
1: <laughs> I, I will indeed, and uh, but I, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to, to, to Monday and the experience of being at an Anzac Day clash. We'll uh, head across to the uh, to a dawn service, of course, and uh, a bit of a breakfast at the RSL and, and, and make a day of it. And, and really looking forward to getting down. I I, I really think that the atmosphere will 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 be the same, and I, I think that uh, there'll still be uh, a whole lot of people there, and I think it'll be a great day. And and uh, uh, yeah, I think that there's uh, probably a little bit more interest in the result and see where the bucks will be. Uh, hung and quartered by, uh, by about five
0: o'clock. Well, I think, too, that, that- the Collingwood's uh, demise has probably um, given a little bit of impetus to the bomber supporter base. Uh, so you probably see some more bomber supporters there than you might otherwise see because they'd probably be sniffing a little bit of blood, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, I think
1: you might be right. I think that they'll be keen. and um, but, but honestly, I think the occasion will get to everybody. I think that even if... It, because obviously you know people would go regularly, I'd imagine to that to that fixture, and I imagine as the day gets close that uh, they'll realize that uh, you know it's a good thing to do and it it'll be a great day um, however the result goes, I think
2: I honestly think though the AFL needs to take it away from those two teams and do what the SNFL does, which is the grand final replay. I think the sNFL's that's brilliant how they do that that that's the first time we actually see those two teams meet again the following season. But I'm pretty sure the AFL won't do it because the SANFL already does.
0: Well, I think it's probably more to do with contracts and agreements between Collingwood and and the AFL. I mean, I think the SANFL-Anzac Day clash certainly doesn't lose anything by having different teams every year. Uh, And being the first meeting of the previous year's premiers and runners-up is certainly... uh, a good uh, theme for the for the game. Uh, I reckon it would be great for Anzac Day in the AFL, but it, you'll never see it. No. Not in Eddie's lifetime things, anyway.
2: No, some things they just can't get their head out of and change. Oh, to be fair though, Pete, I actually think the best football game in the AFL in terms of um, respecting the Anzac tradition, I love how Frio do it. I always make a point of tuning into that game and watching the the pregame stuff that they do. I just, I don't know. It's just something about how they do it, it just seems to speak to me a bit better than this Collingwood Essendon one. I know that one happens on the day, but I don't know. There's just something that's always rubbed me the wrong way. I think, or possibly it's just Collingwood and Essendon. <laughs>
1: Quite, quite possibly, I'm, I'm not sure. And I actually, um, I, I haven't had a close look at the the 0 one what, what do you, what do you your sense is different about it?
2: I know it's just the, the pre-game stuff that they do that with all the, the veterans out there. And the focus is actually more on the veterans. There's not so much about the players being out there and everything else. Whereas the Collingwood, Essendon one, everything they tend to do, the, the pre-match stuff, There tends to be something that the teams are always involved with, part of it. Whereas the three hundred one, there's a I think a respectful step back that, and it's more about the veterans and they. I mean, they do they have the World War um World War Two guys as well as a lot of the Vietnam vets um out there and. Yeah, there's just something about that Frio one that's always, I've found to be more genuine to do with respecting the veterans.
1: Well, the reality is, that certainly what I'm looking for as a veteran myself is to, uh, is to say who's going to give me free beers from the medals. That's, that's what I'm feeling really about.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> that's the good way. Shall so we just... uh, have. No, go ahead, Pete. No, no, you go, Nikki. I was just going to say, we should probably start talking about that nice little game on the weekend because you were there as well. And Phoenix and I have had a little chat on Sunday night, but we would be very interested to hear your thoughts, particularly Rat's awesome celebration.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to uh, <laughs> what I was about to mention. And, and now we enough, have to go um, to a
0: commercial break.
1: <laughs> we had um, interesting enough. We had uh, David King of all people, the uh, the ultimate Adelaide hater, who. Actually went on TV and said this was the, believe it or not, the best game of uh, the AFL season so far. Played at the AFL's best venue. Did anybody catch him say that? Oh yes, yes, the AFL's best venue. So that's where we're at. Yeah, look, I went along on on, uh, on Saturday night. It was an absolutely brilliant evening. Uh, it was just it just had everything, and the and the atmosphere it was just amazing. It was just one of those nights where the Adelaide crowd were in full voice and hard to explain just how the atmosphere was. It was just electric and one of those games where you never, ever felt comfortable that you were over the line and it kept the crowd engaged right from the very, very start to the final siren. It was just amazing. Um, can't can't speak highly enough about the game and can't speak highly enough about the way we played. And, and, and you know, we, we'd spent the, the previous weeks talking about game plans and 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 how we played in the last couple of weeks and all that just seemed to go out the window a little bit. And um, I made the point um, the other day that I, I felt that it seemed to be less about system than just individual brilliance. Uh, and, and there was a lot of individual brilliance. There was a lot of just getting the ball to you know to, to the right areas and then and then you know just just individual talent taking over and yeah, and doing just sides, amazing really. things. Sorry, mate.
0: From both sides. Uh, That was a a feature of the night, Uh, individual um, efforts uh, from both sides.
1: Absolutely, thanks. And we shouldn't forget just how good Sydney were. And and you're absolutely right. There was just some incredible performances uh, on both sides of just, you know, individual brilliance uh, um, It's you know, the best way I can describe it. Thoroughly enjoyable night.
2: I would say, though, that there was a system for both sides and they were trying very much to stick to it, but both of those systems allow those brilliant moments to show f- shine through or actually allow those players to take those risks. Um, definitely Sydney were trying to expose us out the back, therefore those runs over the back that they were getting goals of, so that's why they had Heaney and that's why they were trying to isolate Franklin and being able to turn us around and run back on a fast break. and. It was the way we were lowering our eyes and, and playing a slightly little tweak to our system, but there was still a system there.
1: Oh, there's certainly a system in, in terms of moving the ball. And I think you're right, they they got probably more of their goals in terms of getting out the back of us, but we certainly got very, very little in terms of out the back of them. And Yeah, I can think of McGovern's two goals. Um, both were just bits of brilliance. One was, you know, one, off one step, left foot, outside fifty, you know, kicks a goal, and of course the other miraculous goal that he kicked. You know, the Seagmen snap, uh, the Douglas snap. You know, the the Eddie Betts from the boundary line. Um, in the first quarter. I mean, you can just go through a whole list of goals that you know there was there was there was nothing about sort of you think about how we got the goals against Port. And, and even Richmond, where there was that getting behind their zones and, and, and there was real system and they were easy goals. These were hard goals. You know, these were hard yeah. goals. And,
0: Every and possession the they... was, was contested. Every possession was fought for, and that, that's what made it such a satisfying win, um, I think, it was just the, the fact that at no point um, was any quarter given by other team.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And... I mean, I just love the reaction of the crowd and also the reaction of McGovern. That that little trap he did and then the little quick glance around so that he knew that he could settle to kick it. And he's only in his fourth game of AFL and he's playing like he's played a hundred games. You you look at a back line, how young that actually is. Really Cheney is the old head down there. He had an amazing game. That run past Mitchell, um, To when they were trying to do a fast break, that was just stunning, and the the commitment there was, oh, you you just kind of saw him go past him. It's like I didn't know Cheney could run that fast.
0: No, it was lucky it was Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. I don't think he would have got past Buddy somehow.
2: Uh, Oh yeah, I, I, I actually quite liked Hardigan. A couple of times was matched up against Buddy, and he did okay against him. But when he was matched up against Tippett, those were those were some pretty good um, contests, and Hardigan definitely won those.
0: I thought Hardo played really well. In fact, our our, our talls down back did very well, and I'll include uh, Cheney and Lever in that. I mean, Lever tried to get in the hole as much as possible in the snake pit. Um, you know, <laughs> Hardigan and, and Cheney, uh, third man up in marking contests. Charles um, one-on-one towards the end there with, with Buddy, a couple of crucial contests. Um, you know, and Chaney made a couple of blues um, and he's that kind of player, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, you feel you feel like the back line is more solid with him there um, and I don't know whether I'd feel the same way with a Sam Shaw in those circumstances or, you know, uh, even, a, even a Ricky Henderson. So I'm quite happy with his, uh, his work so far.
1: But there, there were heroes yep. all over the ground. Uh, there's no yeah. doubt about that. And one of the things that, I think I managed to, in amongst all the excitement, I managed to um, tap into my phone um, during the game. Was that I really just didn't want to hear any criticism of any players at all because at the game you you could really sense just how hard it was and um, how intense it was and how much pressure there was and and just to be out there and just to be able to to be able to get a kick was was a really really good effort. I just didn't want to hear anybody criticised at all because. It's just such hard work out there on Saturday
0: night. Well, if it was a tennis it... match, you would have seen the stats saying very low unforced errors because just about every error that was committed was under intense pressure. Even if it was implied um, pressure, um, the pressure was palpable from start to finish.
2: Watching the replay, people had said that Miller had been quiet, but when once I've gone back and now finally actually watched the game... He was in and under. He was doing some nice little hard little work, some great little handballs. He didn't have the space that he has previously, but he was still being really quite creative. So, I, yeah, that everybody wants to see these high possession games. Hannerbury got thirty eight. That's nice. They didn't win.
1: And speaking of um, of some heroic moments, what about Jared? You know, Jared Lyons' effort in the last quarter. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we love to see Rat kick that, that beautiful goal, but, but that handball on his hands and knees, on his wrong hand, when he was obviously in – he was distressed because he was injured, and um, to get that handball, that ball had to be right where it was for Rat to run onto. Oh, it was
2: perfect.
1: Yeah, it didn't break stride.
2: And it was as soon, as soon as he heard the voice, it was kind of interesting because if you go back and watch it – I. Pretty sure the, it's on the plays of the round for our – on the club YouTube page. And there's Eddie and there's Jared. And I'm trying to remember who our other player was that um, helped spoil the ball from um, Smith. That Jared was the first one to kind of trap it. And then Eddie kind of comes through and helps shuffle it forward. But then it pops back towards – Jared, who's on his hands and knees, just kind of watching what's going on, and all of a sudden he just snaps into action. And as soon as he grabs it, you can see Atkins just move, arm out in front, and obviously he's just yelled out here. And it's just that one quick look and bang, that handball. It, as you said, Peter, it was perfect. It was great um,
1: skill execution. Well, he's really
0: in the end. Sorry, go on, Pete.
1: I was going to say, he's, he's really impressed me since he's come onto the side, and I, you know, I was just thinking before, Phoenix, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it just be great if, um, if the Crowcast actually had an opportunity to speak to Jared Lyons?
0: <laughs> well, it's funny you should Nicely mention done. that, uh, Pete, um, <laughs> because not so long ago uh, this evening we actually did, and you must, I mean, I know you're getting on a bit, so maybe memory's a bit fading a bit, but uh, you, myself <laughs> and Nicky actually spoke to uh, Jared Lyons, so uh, do we want to have a, a listen and hear what he's got to say?
1: I reckon it might be a good idea, mate.
0: All right, mate. We'll uh, kick it off.
1: Thanks very much, Phoenix. And uh, we're a, a very special guest tonight. Obviously, on the uh, the Crowcast, um, Jared Lyons tonight. How are you tonight, Jared?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you guys?
1: Very well, and thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Um, look, the uh, when we do interview, we we try and um, not go uh, into uh, too much detail in terms of the game and, and all the rest of it. We we do like to know what's happening with uh, with you guys, though, and we hear that uh, actually you're pretty uh, hot on the golf course. Is that right?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind uh, my golf outside of footy. It's um, yeah, it's probably a little hobby of mine. I do to. I suppose get away from the game and and yeah, get my head out of footy for a little while.
0: What are you playing off, mate?
3: Uh, at the moment, I'm off about five.
0: Oh, beauty! You know, playing yeah.
3: at uh, playing at Glenelg or uh, somewhere else? Uh, I played Glenelg today actually, but um, I'm a member at Grange. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, it's just opposite the club, which is easy.
1: If you're playing off five, you sound like you're understanding it a bit there. And, and we understand there was a bit of a player-coach um, tournament that went on there. How did you go playing against the coach?
3: Um, yeah, we played one hole at Glenelg and he got me. Um, he got me by a shot. So, Pike, is a, yeah, he's a pretty good golfer. Um, I think he's been playing for many years. He's off about scratch now. So, he's probably the uh, yeah the best golfer at the club at the moment, which is um, something yeah, something to catch for me, I guess.
2: In light of that, um, Jared, was it strategic to hit towards the water, so to make sure you might get a game?
3: <laughs> yeah, just make sure I give him um, <laughs> give him a confidence boost, I guess. But no, I, I knew I was going to hit it in the water as soon as I said it. So <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. It was good fun. It was a good day, actually. The Crow's Golf Day. It's always good fun.
1: Is that something that's important, Jared, in terms of getting away from the uh, the pressures of the game to to be able to get out there and and make that? Um, um, yeah, a, bit of, a bit of relaxation for yourself, and and also just enjoy a a bit of each other's company uh, out in the golf course in an environment like that.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's important as players. Like it's it's very easy to get stuck in the sort of twenty four seven footy world, I guess. And and these days there's so much scrutiny on the game and it's all the media and everything. It's it's nice just to have something to I guess take your head away from the game. I mean, I know Sloaney loves going surfing, and yeah, there's. A lot of different blokes just enjoy doing different things and, yeah, it's just something that, that keeps you busy and, and uh, obviously footy's not going to be there for your whole life so you got to enjoy the other things, which is, uh, yeah, golf's something that could probably play to them about 70, so, yeah, it's good to get into.
2: Now, just getting into the, the footy from the weekend, but there's one thing that we've noticed, um, but it's, it seemed to start last year but it's gone to another level this year. seems to be the composure of the team. And I think a perfect example was you on the weekend, that left-hand handball you did to Atkins to set up that goal. Is it something specific that's been worked on at training or is it more organic due to what we've noticed, which is like with Walshie and Campo and our part seeming to have this quite calm demeanour on game day?
3: Uh, I, I guess it's something, um, composure is something you're sort of almost born with, I guess. It's, it's sort of hard to teach, but... I mean, we're just, we've just worked on our skills a lot more. And I guess when you hit targets, it makes it look like you can pose rather than the ball hitting the ground. And then it's, it's such a scramble. So we worked hard on our on our skills. I mean, last year, I think we were 7 eight for kicking and handballing in the comp. So that was a big focus for our pre-season. And I think if you can keep the ball in the body, it just gives you a lot more time to, um, yeah, to find your next, next player and, and move the ball down the field.
2: So do you... I think that then builds on with you working on the skills that you see that there's this trust going on that you know what everybody else can do. Whether that's kind of leading into that,
3: yeah, 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 definitely. I think um, I, I think we sort of work on everyone sort of works on their eighty twenty kick, which is just a, an eighty percent kick where the like eight times out of ten you'd hit that kick, and, and everyone's got a different percentage of in terms of their ability to hit those kicks, so. Yeah, we just work around each other and, and there's definitely a, a lot of trust in the group now and, and we're starting to see that on game day.
0: Do you actually, um like on the ground, I know it's intense and high high pace and all the rest of it, but do you actually put place yourself on the ground uh, depending on who's got the ball? Like say, if uh, uh, Smithers has got the ball, you're happy that he's going to kick it 60, but maybe someone else like... Uh, Ladder, you might uh, lead in a little bit closer. Does it get to that extent, or is it all more, a bit more instinctive?
3: Uh, you, you do think about those things. I mean, if it's more of a, I guess, more of a slow play. I mean, when we're just kicking it up the line, yeah, you you definitely have to adjust for for blokes who can kick at sixty, as opposed to those who just kick at forty-five to fifty. But I guess that's more for the, the ruckmen who are placing themselves down the line than, than us mids more than anything yeah
0: and um obviously Hawthorne are a, a team that like to crowd up um, and uh, put pressure on the ball carrier, and they obviously like to possess the ball as well when they've got it uh, so uh, I guess it's been uh, emphasized perhaps this week um, disposal efficiency uh even more so
3: yeah, I think um, Hawthorne have been the pinnacle of uh sort of that kick mark and, and disposal efficiency over the last Three, four years. So that's something that, that we've worked on, and, and yeah, definitely this week. If you can, um, yeah, obviously keep the ball out of their hands, it, it'll go a long way to winning the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, I noticed that you had a bit of a finger issue uh, last weekend. Someone, a runner, come out and tell you to pull your finger out or something? Or uh, how is the finger?
3: <laughs> no, it was uh, it was my hand. I just uh, I got a. Um, stood on actually, so oh, right. that wasn't pleasant. I had a yeah, a few stud marks in my in my hands and on my knuckles. So, but no, nah, it's come good now. Um, all good, yeah, all good to go.
0: Yeah, just um, one thing that uh, to following on on what we were talking about before. Um, and Pike can mention it last week in the in the presser after the game. It looks like we're playing a little bit more flexible. Um, if you if you look over the the games that we played so far this year, certainly the Sydney game. Seem to be a little bit different than uh the first couple. Um, is that something that just happens on the fly based on the opposition or did you guys go out with a slightly tweaked game plan?
3: Against uh, Sydney? Yeah, we we uh do I guess an opposition meeting every week and, and the behind the scenes work that goes into every game is um yeah, is very in depth now. So we've got coaches who uh relay all that that information from from the games before, and and we'll tweak the game plan in terms of yeah the opposition we come up with um each week i mean yeah some some teams play totally different to others, so yeah we we're always going to go in with a, a, occasional different strategies in terms of the way we want to move the ball or in the way we defend, so yeah that's that's definitely something we look at during the week and and study, I guess in terms of opposition teams.
0: Yeah, a couple of the, couple of the commentators did uh, mention our uh, forward entries, uh, forward fifty entries were slightly different, and it also seemed to be um, we were just um, uh, not rebounding so much off half back, but trying to crowd the uh, the middle a little bit more. Would that be a fair call?
3: Yeah, I mean Sydney moved the ball so quickly uh, through the middle of the ground and. and yeah, that was something we definitely looked at doing was um, was just slowing their ball movement up and, and then attacking from there. So that seemed to work pretty well on the weekend.
0: Now yeah, we've, we've got an American guy on our boards um, and he actually knows a little bit about footy. He's not an Aussie, he's not an expat, he's actually a, a, a Um And he put up a question asking whether whether the midfielders as a group have kind of got a bit of steel about them this year to... Prove a point given the uh, defection of um, Paddy, um, or whether it's just you know change in coach, change in game plan that uh, has seen a a, a pretty cohesive un- unit come out under the park this year.
3: Uh, yeah, well, to be honest, we don't we don't talk about Paddy too much. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what's done is what's done is done. Um, I guess it's the media who tend to bring it up more than anything. Um, but yeah, as as a group, I mean. We we started a journey last year, I guess, from the start of the year and, and I think what Walshie sort of brought down to us is, is definitely obviously last year was something but we've improved again on it this year and and Pikey's yeah, just built on that as well. So we we built a really good baseline last year and and now the group's played a few more games together and, and we've brought in some new guys as well who have come in, like Seedsman who's come in and played a role for us, so Yeah, I think there's just a a good feeling about the group and a a good trust amongst the group at the moment.
2: Now, how good did you feel when the announcement was official that the sub-vest was going to be scrapped for this year? But also, I heard that there was a little secret Santa that went on amongst the players and somebody might have gifted you a sub-vest as the present. Is that correct?
3: Uh, Yeah, that is correct. Um, For my secret Santa this year, I got the (laughs) sub-vest, which is... uh, bit of a laugh but yeah um, I mean well, did, I, I think didn't was, you already
2: uh, have 18
3: yeah I think yeah I think I had 18 or something like that yeah I had the record for the crows that was for sure so at least that's something I'll take out of uh, my career at the end I, I think there was whispers about uh, the sub vest going sort of to the middle of the last year and and yeah that was um, yeah something that I was pretty excited about I mean yeah it definitely gives me a bit more opportunity and yeah, it's uh, it's been nice to come in and actually play a couple of full games, which is good.
2: Now, did you figure out who was your secret Santa yet?
3: Was it Griggy? Uh, yeah, no, it was Matt Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> those, you know, those Crouch boys. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: they actually uh, crack on at training, or is it pretty sedate?
3: Uh, well, I've seen a couple of uh, little bits of training, but no, they're not. They're not as bad as everyone says they are. They're, um, and yeah, they tend to be pretty tame. Older and wiser. Yeah, that's it.
1: Jared, can I just ask you a question? Um, just about you've you got a lot of admirers out there. Just um, in relation to your dedication to the club and the fact that you've been, you know, there quite a while, and, and it hasn't it hasn't come easy for you to break into the side. Can I just ask you a little bit about your journey? If you could just uh, explain to the listeners what it's been like to um, to have to, I guess, to slog hard and to actually. Um, um you know really fight over a number of years to try and get into the position that you are now
3: yeah i guess it was um yeah it was a tough few years there uh, sort of in and out of the side and and with the sub coming in it yeah it made it really hard to cement a spot but i mean i love the footy club and i love being here and at um yeah at no stage where i, I did i really want to just walk away from it all and, and um yeah i guess it's it's nice to um yeah, finally getting the side, but by by no means am I of my spot yet. But yeah, it's just it's good to be in a position where I'm I'm playing good footy and I guess enjoying my footy because there's probably periods there where it was it was pretty tough in in terms of um, yeah just constantly in and out. But yeah, it's it's been good start so far. So fingers crossed that it'll uh, it'll keep going. Was it was
1: it primarily was it primarily the football club or? Was there something about the city that you you know you you're obviously quite happy living here? Was it um, or was it just a combination of a number of things that made it easy for you to just to continue your journey here?
3: Yeah, I, I guess it's it's a very good footy club there. It's, um, it's built around good people. There's a lot of good people at the club, and, and they have got some good mates here. I guess being from Victoria, it would it would have been easy to go back, but I mean, I, I was enjoying my footy, whether it was yeah in and out, in and out and. I guess yeah, it was a number of things that led me to stay. But I mean, yeah, I'm I'm now yeah. Obviously, it's, it's probably paid off slightly at the moment. And as long as I can keep going and, and enjoy my footy, I'll I'll be happy. Does the senior senior blokes get around you when you're sort of on the cusp there,
0: like you and Griggy and a few others are sort of a little bit in and out, Riley Knight? Um, do they get around you and encourage you and and you know help you to keep pushing through?
3: Yeah, I mean we've got we've got a good uh, good leadership group at the club. Um, yeah, blokes like Sloney, Tomo, Tiles, Tex—they're all they're all terrific blokes and they're always there to have your back. And I mean, uh, Tommy Lynch is someone who probably went through it as well at the start of his career, so he's someone I've spoken to as well. And yeah, it's just all about persistence, really. They, I mean, there's always going to be a spot opening up here and there. I mean, it's such a tough game these days, so. I mean, by no means can you take your foot off the pedal and let someone else take that spot. So, yeah, once you get there, you just got to hold on and, and yeah, just keep playing well, really.
2: Now, we interviewed um, David McKay uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we asked him a couple of questions, and we thought we'd sort of stick with those questions and see what different if we get any different answers. The first one <laughs> okay. we wanted to know was who's the best ledger on the training track.
3: Uh. The best sledger I'd say probably text the captain himself. He's um he's very very good on the lip old text.
2: Yep, so that's exactly the same answer. And the <laughs> other one is because the news the news week, um about the time when we interviewed D was about sleep room, um, that's been sort of expanded down at the club. Who's the one person when you walk into the sleep room you kind of tend to turn around and walk straight back out of cause you know you're not gonna get a rest?
3: Oh, okay. So the bloke that would talk so much. Um, <laughs> I guess Maddie <Matty>, Maddie <laughs> Yench, Yench was that that bloke that um was uh always in your ear but uh, at the moment oh, who would it be? Probably Charlie Cameron. <laughs> oh, there's a there's very, left field.
2: Oh, that's a new one.
3: Yeah, he's um, very chatty old Charlie, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, we had Chief uh, from D so uh fair to say it'd be oh, a close yeah that's yeah, that,
3: that's a very close second. Yeah, There's not a lot of sleep around, old Tom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, on on that note, is there a little redhead collective going on? Do they kind of sit together as a little band, or or the little redheads we've now seemed to have at the club?
3: Uh, it is quite funny actually. When um, yeah, one of them gets picked on, they all start piping up. <laughs> um, yeah, they they kind of do stick together. That's so almost a, it's almost a race at the club now. <laughs> yeah, it's either the Redheads <laughs> or
0: the Rorys so,
3: Yeah
0: Jared Lyme with, you know, sandy brown hair How
3: are you going to stick out, mate? With Pink boots uh, or yeah, something? There's plenty, uh, there's plenty of, uh, yeah, sort of brown hair And sort of six foot blokes at our free club So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite happy the way I am I don't really need to stand out <laughs> Hopefully let the footy do the talking No,
2: do nicely
1: I have to say, Joe, one of my one of my favourite players, Rory Atkins, seems to be establishing himself on the side. Is is he as annoying as um, as he might possibly seem to be? Uh, just one of those guys, almost in the gent mould.
3: Yeah, he, uh, the old rat we call him. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's quite a funny guy. He's uh, very good on at a, at a prank or two. He um, he does enjoy getting under bloke skins, but nah, he's um, he's probably not as bad as Matty gentch <laughs> I
0: mean, on a slightly serious note, it does seem like there's really good camaraderie at the moment at the club and a pretty tight-knit group, and obviously the events of last year play a part in that, but do you reckon the club's as united and tight as it's been
3: in your time there? Yeah, I think um, obviously the club's been through a lot. Um, I've only been there for six years, but um, yeah, we've we've had a lot go on, and it's certainly brought the group closer and, and, yeah, at the moment, I guess we're a very yeah, tight-knit group. And, and yeah, seeing as though we've been through what a lot of uh, other football teams would uh, would never go through, it's, it's certainly made a difference, yeah.
1: Joe, we're, we're really, really grateful for the time that you spent. We know it's a short week and you've just come off the track and, and um, you've got uh, quite a bit on your plate. So we're really, really grateful that you've been able to spend a, a few minutes with us. Um, um, giving us some of the insights for the club, so um, so so thank you very much, Joe. We, we we do appreciate it. No,
3: no, no problem at all, guys. Happy to do it. Loving your work, mate. This year, keep it going. No worries, thanks, guys. Pleasure. Take
0: thanks,
2: care. Mate. All the best for Friday.
3: Thank
2: thanks, Joe.
0: And there it was, our uh, little chat with Jared. Uh, Throw it back to you, Pete.
1: And, yeah, I'm no, sorry. I just caught me on the hobby. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> great to be able to have a chat to Jared. I reckon he's um, just a, a, he's a brilliant lad and I think it's great the way that he has st- I stuck out. I'll tell you what, I reckon he's made of pretty stern stuff to be able to have yeah, fought, like through, he's fought through and get yeah. um, himself into the side.
2: It's very interesting because when I was going through and looking, doing a little bit of research um, for some of those questions we were doing and the things we kind of didn't get to put in there, and I I did actually say it in the chat, I actually found out that his um, unit or his TR score was high enough for him to get into physio and he was contemplating doing that. So he's, he's not your typical dumb footballer. We've got some smart ones down there.
1: Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That uh, they, um, uh, Rolly O'Brien, I think, is one of those that uh, is a very, very smart lad, and we obviously know, um, the ex captain VB is also highly intelligent, so it's interesting, you know, they all come from different backgrounds, of course.
0: I, I gotta yeah, mention was... that, sorry, I gotta mention in the chat, Froggy's just come up with a classic one liner. The end of the <laughs> interview, we should have said, yeah, sorry, mate, we've got to sub you out because we've got another player coming in. We missed an opportunity there, Pete.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. actually.
2: Could he possibly,
1: out of those... couldn't possibly hope to compete with Froggy on the one-liners.
2: <laughs> Very true. Um, but interestingly, out of those 18 sub-vests that he has, he actually has two red ones. So he did start on the ground and then got subbed off twice. Yeah. <laughs> so 16 times he actually started on the bench and then came on. Um, but. We always knew when he came on to the sub that you were going to get a full-on commitment and he was going to pick up the game quite quickly. And I think, as you just said then, um, Pete, the, the resolve and the stern stuff that he must be made of, I think that was actually on show when he was coming on as the sub that you just knew he would pick up the game straight away, which was quite good.
0: Yeah, never dropped his head once, has he? Hey, look, it was uh, awesome to have him on and uh... – If anyone from the club happens to listen to this at some point, uh, we do appreciate it very much, uh, getting access to the players and staff down there. So uh, uh, thanks once again to uh, the Adelaide Footy Club.
1: Yeah, incredibly grateful. Guys, um, just moving along, um, looking at Friday night's game, um, the game that I'll be at, which I'm very, very uh, grateful for, how do we see that panning out? I I think it's going to be a really, really difficult assignment. I really do
2: it is but i'm if we bring that same kind of intensity and, and desire that we did against sydney i we could win this i don't have any fears about it if we drop the game it'll for me it all depends on how we perform throughout it as to how i'll feel at the end of it is that what you guys are thinking
0: well Time gone past, I would have thought Hawthorne at the G was a very tough assignment because of the type of play, uh, type of game plan that we had. I've got to say, aside from the obvious worry about whether we can back up after the Sydney match um, in six days, I actually think our game plan is exactly the type of game plan that you need on the MCG to beat Hawthorne um, because it is so big, it is so wide um, and there's pl- there'll be plenty of opportunities for us to get out behind uh, free mantle. Oh, sorry, Hawthorne's um, <laughs> n- nice little cluster. Um, and uh, as long as we can hold their key players and um, you know uh, hold our own resolve in terms of our own game plan, I, I think we're going to give it a real shake. In fact, I'm actually less worried about this game than I was against the Swans.
1: Yeah. I'd have to go against both of you there. One of the, 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 the real things that concerns me, and I can't recall who it was, but someone made the um, point through the week, and that is that you, Hawthorne are just very, very good at working out who potential challenges are, who is being talked up as somebody that's going to be the next big thing, and they just seem to be able to reserve their best for smacking down the new kid on the block. Um, they're very, very good at making a statement in that way, and I just think that they will really, really set themselves for this game.
2: And all I can say to that is, bring it on!
1: If we oh, want to course, play finals, yeah. of course. You know, we, we, we've got to be able to, we've got to be able to combat that. But um, I, I just think that this will be a very, very, very difficult assignment. Much more difficult than um, than I think it was. Not, not that Saturday night was easy, but just think that they play. Hawthorne play the ground so well; um, they they play so many games there. They, they just know every blade of grass. It will be um, very 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 difficult.
0: I'm actually They're going to be not interested. playing
2: well at the moment, though.
0: Not particularly. No, I'm going to be interested to see whether we try and get up in their faces, like a lot of teams try and do, to dispossess them, or whether we actually allow them a little bit of um, possession in their back half. Um, and do the whole regrouping around half back, which we seem to do quite successfully against Port and Richmond. I know it's a, a step up in class. Um, but you wonder sometimes whether trying to dispossess such a a well-drilled and uh, efficient uh, disposing team as Hawthorne is just a fruitless task. And we may we may actually try to clog it up across half back and then rebound. It's going to be a very interesting strategic game, I think.
1: Yeah, so you can. I know you can. We can say that they're not playing well, but you know it's interesting, isn't it? When people talking about West Coast as being, you know, the uh, uh, once again being one of the primary challenges and you know almost guaranteed top top four spot. What do we see? They turn up at the MCG. What happens? And, and this is only one week after Geelong, who I think are terribly overrated. One week later, Hawthorn come out and they absolutely smack West Coast. I mean, you know, it wasn't even close. They yeah.
0: snaked them. To be fair, West Coast are Hawthorne's bitches, and they've come out the you know last weekend oh, and
1: and last s- time last time we beat Hawthorne, Rory Sloane was playing his first
0: game. Yeah, no, I understand that, but uh, I think since West Coast have come to come to the fore, they've played pretty much the same style for that for that period of time, and Hawthorne have got their measure. We, we're not the same Adelaide Crows outfit that has been uh, up against them the last few years, and. I'm particularly um, encouraged by the way in which St Kilda were able to cut them right through the middle, um, not just once or twice, but quite regularly. And I think pace is going to be where Hawthorne are a little bit vulnerable.
2: Yeah, I think we and the Saints actually have a similar-ish kind of that game plan, that run off of half-back. And I think we've got a little bit more class than St Kilda do um, in terms of being able to execute it. Um, Saints actually scare me in future. I think they're gonna be a, a, a team very much on they're, they're a team very much on the rise. But I have to pull you up there, Peter. That's the last time we beat Hawthorne on the MCG was Sloan's first game. We have beaten them since, but that was here.
1: Right, well then I must have someone must have supplied incorrect information that was something Come I on, read take. today. <laughs> no, no, I, I, it was someone, awesome. I, who was it? Someone supplied information today on one of the threads so I, and I read it that um that, so... Yeah, it was uh, on the MCG. That, yeah. Anyway. No, correct uh, about that. And, and the other thing but The other is, thing is, it, is it, you know, Western Bulldogs, another, now here we go again, Western Bulldogs, you know, one going to be one of the challenges this year, playing at the fortress that is Etihad Stadium. Hawthorne, find a way to win. And
2: that's what we've got to do and I think the way we're starting to play, the way our coaches are, and as we talked with Jared, that composure that we have. Sydney were throwing everything at us and we still stood up. And I think there's going to be a a fair bit of support for us there. And I I think there's going to be a whole lot of neutrals that are actually going to turn up to that game as as well on Friday night. The other interesting thing is Glen 23 on the board actually pointed out we're number one for first quarters this season. That also includes our NAB Cup. Um, that's a complete turnaround from us from last year.
1: Yeah, I, I think we can we can look at last week's game and say, well, you know, Hawthorne only uh, just beat St Kilda and, and they're not playing very well, but they've still beaten two almost guaranteed top four teams. They've beaten the Western Bulldogs, they've beaten the West Coast. Um, so to, to be able to do that, they've got to be in reasonable form. They might have had a bit of a soft patch, but you know, even then, they still find a way to win last week. So, look, sorry to be going cutting against the grain. I, I just don't think we'll beat them on Friday night. I, I think that we'll 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 play well. We'll we'll put up a good fight, but I, I can't see us losing by any more than you know three to four goals. But I I, I think that you know I'd still be going Hawthorne somewhere between that ten to twenty four point region.
0: Well, I did tip Sydney by four to five last week, um, Pete. So, um, oh,
1: nice, well done, mate.
0: You know, it's it's one of those games. I, you know, and you get a feeling, and you you have a a different perspective. I don't know. The the two things that are going to concern me is whether we can back up, and how much um, a factor the Burgon three hundred is going to play in, in terms of Hawthorne getting up for the
1: game as well. Oh, I completely forgot about that. That's another thing, isn't it? Yeah.
2: They might kind of step up for that. I'm trying to think. I think there's. Is it Eddie's, Eddie's 50th game or something for us? So there we go. We've got a milestone for us, too.
1: <laughs> whatever happens, look, no doubt it'll be a ripping game. I I cannot wait because I reckon it'll be heaving there at the G on Friday night. You know, Friday night football. Hawthorne draw a big crowd. We have a lot of. Uh, we always draw a good crowd at the MCG. Yeah. I, I reckon. Somewhere between fifty to seventy thousand, somewhere yep. around there.
0: I'm tipping massive yeah, for a Friday and, night,
2: and it'd be awesome as well for our guys to play in front of a crowd like that, and with the expectation for, for, and for knowing an that. Team, yeah, normally
1: you see Melbourne teams, you, you'd get, but for an interstate team playing there and to still be able to get somewhere between fifty to seventy, I reckon it'll be fantastic.
0: Yeah, very and, much looking forward to it.
1: Okay,
2: who's going to come in for Miller?
0: Oh, CC. Uh, obviously, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, Riley I reckon
1: Knight for me. Riley Knight for me. I, I think that Riley closer in terms of role that that what Miller has been playing. I don't think that. I don't think that Miller has been playing a role that. Uh, it, sorry, let me get this right. If Charlie can't if Charlie comes in, he not only does he play his first game back. Um, for the club, but I think that he plays a different role than what he's ordinarily used to playing. Miller is not a small forward. He wasn't playing a small forward role. He wasn't playing the role that Charlie was playing last year. That role's gone to McGovern. And so if Charlie comes in, he's got to to be playing basically a wing position, moving towards half forward, which is where um, Miller was playing. And so I just think that Riley Knight when he was playing last year, he was playing a little bit more closely to that kind of role than what um, certainly than what Charlie was playing. So, so for me, it would be Riley Knight.
0: I think you might see, if they do bring Charlie in, Pete, um, I think you might see Eddie actually playing that higher role. Um, and I think you might see them uh, flipping over a little bit. Um, but I think you, you might see Eddie playing a little bit further up the ground. Um, Charlie brings us a hell of a lot of uh, forward 50 pressure. Um, and I'd I'd say more than Riley Knight in that regard. Um, yeah, but that's yeah, not where he's going to be playing. Well, he is going to be playing around the peripheral, around around that fifty meter arc. Um, when the ball's in our forward fifty, um, and we're pushing up to lock it in, that's where Riley Knight's going to be stationed around around that uh, the the peri- perimeter there and. Uh, yeah, I, I can see points for both players. Uh, my gut feel is that Charlie will come in and you'll see him play close to goal and you'll see Eddie uh, play up and maybe even get some midfield minutes.
2: I've only watched the one SNFL game, but it was the first one that Charlie was playing and we were pushing him up to play on the wing every so often as well. Um, and as Matthew Wallace has just said in the chat, Charlie has trained in the middle of the preseason. So we've obviously we've earmarked him that similar kind of role to Millerer. So that's why I'm thinking he might come in in that respect.
1: What about the other one, the, the third one, that, who I think is a potential is possibly Menzel. I think might be suited to that role and has certainly been playing more of a wing role um, in the SNFL. What do you think?
0: Yeah, Frank's just brought that up in the chat actually. Um, would be left field, um, pivotal game. You wonder about his fitness. Um, but, gee, X-Factor, uh, it would be a, a, a ballsy selection.
1: Well, if I was going one, two, three, I'd be going Knight, number one, Knight first in, Menzel second in, Charlie third.
2: I'd have the last two swapped. I don't think Menzel's quite got the tank yet, and on a big oval like the MCG, I don't think we're going to rush him. We're taking the long view with Menzel, I think he'll get games probably mid-year, more towards the end of the season possibly, but not at this stage yet, I don't think.
1: So you think Nikki Riley for, um, for Miller? Uh,
2: I'm still thinking posi- probably Charlie first. But like you, I can see both, but I'm angling slightly more towards Charlie than Riley. But you think, though, if either of us do come in, we're not losing anything?
1: No, absolutely not. And I think that's the important thing to remember is, is that, you know, they terrific to have that kind of depth to come in and play those roles and, and um, you know, absolutely not losing anything at all, um, whoever goes in.
0: I'm going to be very interesting to, interested to see how uh, Tex moves this week. Um, he was obviously very tight. Uh, during periods of the game last week, and it's a six-day turnaround. We've been saying for a couple of weeks now that he doesn't look 100%, um, and this is a a, a big stage. Um, maybe our in for Milera will have in mind Texas' current uh, condition.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think we'll... We tend to have, as Jared said before we actually started the interview, that it was a very light session that they had today. And yeah, he's still doing his input just as well as last year on averages. So we're thinking he's not playing that well, and yet he's still doing just as good as he was last year. And he had a pretty damn good year. So even if he's 80% fit, that's a hell of a lot to have out there. And I think. And as Froggy's just said in the chat, big stages of what he's built for. His leadership out on that ground in that last quarter, that presence of mind to do that kick to Eddie and that other long bomb, which probably should have been deliberate, but, you know, it was. it's just smart. And he's the one who immediately sent the 11 players into the back lines to stop them um, trying to score. Yeah. So, that-
0: that was on the back of a phone conversation with Pikey. My, my concern with Tex is that uh, if he's carrying a hip, um, which I'm starting to wonder whether he is, um, you know, no better team than Hawthorne to bloody pick it out and start targeting him, and uh, you'd hate for him to miss two or three on the back of uh, playing at 80%. Well,
1: he, he was on radio this morning and said that he had been it had been carrying a niggle, but it was on the improvement. He was getting better, so... Hopefully, yeah, the text will be fine, guys. We're getting towards the end of the show. I think maybe just looking towards the weekend. Um, what sort of, um, what are we thinking about for, for tips? Uh, I, for me, I, I think I think the Hawks will uh, will get up um, by a little way, um, uh, guys. Did you want to run through all of them, or are we just looking at the Adelaide tips?
0: Oh, we can run through oh, all probably. of them very quickly. What do you reckon? Do you want me to call them out and you uh, fire away? Yeah, call away? them out. All right, hang on a minute. One yeah, go a moment. One moment, please. All right. So <laughs> Hawks... Big... Are... Sorry, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Hawks are the Crows. Pete, you're going for the Hawks. Nick?
2: Um, well, the smart tip, what I'm actually going to do is Hawks, but I'm hoping us.
0: Oh, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, um, no, that
2: way I'm just happy if I get it wrong.
0: Crows by five for me. Five goals. Uh, Saturday, we've got uh, Sydney and West Coast at the G, at the SCG. Sydney. Jeez,
1: Pete, you changed Uh, your voice. You know, Sydney for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Sydney for me too. Um, Metricon, we've got Suns and Kangaroos. Interesting game. Pete, what
1: do you reckon? Kangaroos, pretty easily on that one. Nick?
2: Oh, I'm in two minds about this, but I'm saying Kangaroos just mostly because of May and the back line. But they have struggled up there.
1: What, what back line? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah,
2: precisely. That's, that's why.
0: Yeah, uh, on the back of that, I'm going kangaroos as well. Um, bullies and the lions at Eddie Had, Pete?
1: Yeah, bullies pretty easily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, same there. Uh, the little brothers in a world of pain coming up against the cats <laughs> at, uh, at Tarp Oval. Um, return of danger to Adelaide for the first time uh, this season. Baltimore. Yeah, Pete. What do you reckon?
1: This will go very, very close, and uh, Port not not too bad a value on the line. I think at about plus twelve. Um, I think it'll be very, very uh, close. I, I think Geelong might get up, but I would expect a big reaction from Port in front of their home crowd.
2: No, I'm going Geelong. I don't think they've got anything to react down there at Port.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I reckon they'd like to react, but the uh, there's no bullets in the chamber at Port at the moment, and I reckon the Cats will get up in a bit of a canter. Um, certainly for Port to win, they're going to have to lift in the midfield. Some of the efforts against GWS were shocking, and uh, if they throw that up against the Cats, um, you know, it's good night. Um, Sunday, we've got... The Saints versus the Giants in an interesting game at Eddie Hat.
1: GWS comfortably on that one. St Kilda will have a bit of a letdown, I think, from last week. And uh, GWS are, 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 are all class and uh, will win that game.
2: I'm going for Saints.
0: Yeah, I, I, this is a real toss-up game for me. Um, my head says the Giants um saints have got to get over the line soon but i don't think it's going to be this week so i'll go the giants away to st kilda in a tight one uh dockers at home versus carlton that'll be a bloody match to watch <laughs> Pete, what do you reckon oh.
1: frio frio will blur in the words an old commentator they will blast carlton to the shires and and they are just they're <laughs> uh, just about they're just about back and uh, they're just about Uh, able to uh, push the choke back in because uh, up to three-quarter time, they played some really, really good football against North Melbourne and really pushed them and they just fell away in the last quarter. But I think they're just about there. Yeah, I
2: agree. I am going to get really, really, really annoyed at Carlton for helping get the Dockers back on track just before they play us. Thanks, Carlton.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Dockers hold any real fear to us uh, on current form, but I do think, that no. they'll spank, I think they'll spank Carlton. And I do actually think that they'll sneak back up the table and probably make the eight this year um, once uh, Rossi stops listening to his Hawthorne assistants and <laughs> gets back to his way of thinking. Um, we've got the Tigers and the, and the uh, Demons at the MCG on Sunday evening. That's going to be a pretty interesting game, I reckon, Pete.
1: Yeah, I think the Tigers will get back. I think that uh, if they don't, um, it's going to be a case of, you know, the old truck full of manure being ordered to uh, pull up to Punt Road. So I I think that they'll get back.
2: I'm going Melbourne because I think the Tigers are getting at marriage. Marriage is still a bit underdone, and Max Gorn's actually playing really well for Melbourne.
0: I don't think there's any way that Richmond win this game, the way they're playing at the moment, they are bloody woeful. And the Ds aren't playing too bad, um, and it's just a matter of um, belief for them. And they get Bernie back this week. Uh, I reckon they'll uh, – I don't think DeLidio's back yet, is he, for Richmond? No, he's not.
2: Right. He's, he's back training though, so he's, yeah, but he's not, they're he's, anticipating he's going to he's gonna play VFL this weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the back of, uh, on the back of that, I, I can't tip Richmond on going Melbourne there. And obviously the Anzac Day clash that uh, you'll be reporting live from Pete on uh, Monday. Uh, yeah, through, you...
1: through a very, very hazy uh, <laughs> hazy report, I expect. Uh, pies for me, mate.
0: Yeah. What do you reckon, Nick?
2: Oh, Come on. I don't know. Yeah, this, this one's hard. I don't want Essendon to win, but I reckon they might do it. I'll go out and live Bombers.
0: Bombers. I'm going to hate
2: it, but bombers.
0: Well, Travis Cloak was on radio today or some media today saying he um, accepted that he had to harden up and grow a pair. Um, I just don't think he's got it in him. I think Hollywood would look terrible, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if the bombers got up, but I'm going to say that the Maggies are going to sneak home in a very tight one
1: beautiful well, i hope it is it'll be an exciting day all right guys uh, probably uh, time to wrap it up as i look at my uh, ipad and see that i've got about two percent of battery left so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good reason for me to have to bail i think um that was it's been a terrific night as always and Plug it in. Uh, <laughs> i haven't got a charger on me at the moment bloody kids um <laughs> as always um a brilliant night really enjoy your company both of you so uh, enjoy the chat and um can't thank the club enough for supplying Jared Lyons uh, for an interview for us. It really does help the show get a little bit of credibility, and and uh, just gives uh, something that, that little bit extra for the uh, for the listeners to uh, to get their teeth into Nikki and Phoenix. Thanks very much for uh, your company this evening. Hurry up, we've got to go. The music's running out. Yep. Bye. <laughs> 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 okay. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week for Tuesday Night Live. Bye now. See
0: you guys Thursday for Scorpions' show. Good night.
1: Thanks.